0: This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Camp Brown. and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Some time ago, I read a story about a keeper of a halfway house in the Bavarian Alps. This story was recounted by Dr. Roy Angel in his book, Baskets of Silver. In the words of the keeper of this house, he said, My halfway house is not a happy place. My job is not a happy job. Then he continues telling his story in these words, A great crowd of people will enthusiastically start to climb the mountain. It is a mountain which is made to order for amateurs and tender feet. Most of their enthusiasm has vanished by the time they reach my halfway house. There is a broad expanse of windows on one side that look out across the world below. And the climbers all rush to it with expressions of delight and they rave about the beauty of the view. But when they look the other way up toward the top of the mountain, all of their zeal and zest vanishes. They look at the big fireplace with its roaring fire and comfortable chairs. They look at the refreshment counter with hot coffee and sandwiches. They decided they've climbed far enough. About half of them never go any farther. They tell the guide they're tired, their feet are wet, and the the snow is too deep. And so the guide goes on with a part of his crowd and the others stay at my halfway house. The keeper continues his story with these words, They are a restless group that stay with me, but they try to be happy. They play a little, they sing a little, they're half repentant, they're half remorseful. Every once in a while, as if drawn by a magnet, they'll go to that big window and watch the crowd climbing to the top. By and by, everything will grow very quiet, and then one of them will exclaim, they're at the top and then gloom settles over the whole group. When the climbers return, radiant, laughing, rosy-cheeked, those who stayed at my halfway house are miserable. That story brings to mind a verse from the 7th chapter of Hosea, which says, Ephraim is a cake not turned. That's verse 8. The prophet Hosea is picturing here the tribe of Ephraim, like a cake of bread, which has been placed on the hot coals and is very black on one side, burned actually, but the other side is yet undone. The tribe of Ephraim came part of the way to God, but they never fully repented and forsook their idols. They stopped at the halfway house. There's another paraphrase of the scripture says, they are like a thin piece of bread scorched on one side. There are many Christian people today who are living at the halfway house. They've compromised the teaching of Jesus, have given part of themselves to the Lord. They've kept back part of their talents, their capabilities, personality, resources. Some of these people are afraid that God would not keep his promise when he said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Malachi 3.10. These folks who live at this halfway house may be God's children in terms of salvation, but they've missed out on the joy of their salvation. Mark Guy Pierce tells of the strangest revival he ever saw. In his words, he said, I had preached for two weeks in one place, and there was not one single profession of faith. Then the last night of our services, one little girl came forward on the invitation hymn. I was so glad to see her that I talked to her a little longer than I usually do. I told her that God is able to forgive sins and wipe out the past. Then he's able to keep us from doing anything wrong anymore. We can trust God and not be afraid for the rest of our lives, he told her. We closed that service, at least my part of it, said the preacher. But the real revival began the next day on a Monday. That afternoon, a man came to this little girl's house to see her father. Her father was not at home. When she opened the door, he smiled and said to her, My, you're all dressed up today. Are you going somewhere? The little girl answered, no, sir. I'm dressed up today because I'm happy. You see, last night I became a Christian and the preacher told me that God had the power to wipe out all my sins and he could keep me from doing bad things again. He told me I had nothing to be afraid of because God would watch over me. And then she looked up into the face of the man at the door and she said to him, are you a Christian? (laughs) He was somewhat shocked by the question, and when he answered, no, I reckon not, the little girl asked him, well, why? Well, the man fidgeted for a minute and then pointed across the street to the blacksmith shop, and he said, honey, I don't doubt for one minute that God has power to keep you, but before I can become a Christian, I'm going to have to be convinced that God could save and change a man like old Dan, the blacksmith, over across the street there. He's the meanest cuss that ever lived. The day when old Dan goes to church and is saved, God promises to take care of him, keep him from doing bad things. That's the day I'll go to church, said the man. The preacher who was telling this story said, the little girl sat on the front steps and she listened to the ring of old Dan's hammer for a long time in the blacksmith shop. And then she marched herself over there the gruff old man, stripped to the waist, swinging his hammer, heard a voice behind him. Dan? So he stopped and turned around, and there she stood, all prim and beautiful. He said, what do you want? She said, Dan, could I talk to you for a minute? When he had finished what he was doing, he sat down beside her. and She told him why she had come. She told him what had happened a few minutes before, then with her little clean hand on his big brawny, dirty hand. She said, Dan, please come to church next Sunday so that people will believe that Jesus was able to save me. And he can save anybody, even you, Dan. Please come to church next Sunday. And old Dan promised her that he would come to church that next Sunday. When that little town heard that old Dan the blacksmith was at church, that was big news. The following Sunday came and many people went to church just to see if old Dan was going to come again. Sure enough, he was there. Mark Guy Pierce, the preacher who was telling the story, choked up a bit at this point. And then with his voice full of emotion, he said, God did save old Dan. And such a revival broke out in that little town as we had never seen before. All because one little girl did not stop at the halfway house. But she went on to do what God wanted her and us to do, to let others know and experience the joy of salvation. Not only are there many Christian people who live at the halfway house, but secondly, many nominally Christian homes are only halfway houses. In these homes, the father may be a good provider, the mother does all the things that a good mother does, There's ample food, clothing for all, but this is still a halfway house because kindness is lacking. The Spirit of Jesus is not felt there. No prayers are ever heard there. There's no sweetness and happiness and love. These houses have everything which could make them a little bit of heaven except the loving Spirit of Jesus. Some years ago, a very interesting experiment was experiment was carried out by the Kellogg Sanitarium in Battle Creek, Michigan by Dr. Caroline Giselle. In substance, the lady doctor said, there came to the building where we lived and worked the cutest little puppy I ever saw in my life. We all fell in love with him. He was so eager to show us his appreciation for our affection He wagged his tail with such enthusiasm that his his whole body wagged along with it. He was the happiest little puppy I ever saw, she said. Any little thing that we did for him made him bubble over in response. We took that little puppy into the operating room. We gave him an anesthetic, and we made an incision in one of his hind legs. The marrow in the bone was a beautiful pink filled with red corpuscles we carefully bound up the wound, and it healed almost overnight. Then, as part of our experiment, we passed the word around that nobody was to smile at that little puppy or speak in a kind tone of voice to him for six weeks. Oh, we fed him just as we always had, but nobody petted him, nobody showed him any affection. The poor little pup just wilted, He became the most forlorn little dog I ever saw, the doctor said. He crept into the dark corners. His tail dragged the ground. So we took him, after six weeks, back to the operating room. We examined the marrow in that same bone. Now it was a brownish color. The red corpuscles were very scarce. We bandaged him back up, and it took that wound a long time to heal in spite of the fact that we now showered all of our pet-up affection on that little puppy. He responded very slowly to our overtures of love, and it took a long, long time to get him to wag his tail again. When his enthusiasm was finally restored, we took him one more time to the operating room, and we found the marrow and the bone were pink and beautiful again. This lady, Dr. Doctor Gazelle, said, the whole world needs to learn the lesson that our physical well-being is dependent upon the peace and happiness in our minds. Don't you believe that's why Jesus spent so much time talking about love, telling his followers to show love one to another? Well, one final thought. Many people expect someday to become Christians but they've stopped at some halfway house. They say, one of these days, they're gonna get right with God, one of these days, but they write God a promissory note and tell him he can collect later. Sometimes they feel God's still, small voice within their hearts, but they put it off saying that one day, they'll perhaps make a public profession of their faith. They may join a church or surrender their lives to him. And then as the days pile up into years, they just don't get around to it. They just stay in their comfortable halfway house. Many years ago, when Dr. George W. Truitt was pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, he told about riding to a funeral with a very fine businessman in Dallas. His youngest daughter was before them in the hearse. As they rode along together, the man said to his preacher, Dr. Truitt, when you first came to Dallas 15 years ago, I went every Sunday morning to hear you preach. Every week I was so upset, I could hardly keep from walking down that aisle at the close of the service during the invitation and, and giving my heart to Jesus. But Somehow I just couldn't do it. I was so disturbed that I didn't want anything to eat afterwards. So I sometimes walked the streets on Sundays for hours Usually, I promised myself and promised God that on the next Sunday, I would make that commitment in church. Then the pain would ease a little bit. I would go and get a late lunch on Sunday. That kept up for a long time. I can't remember when that urge to become a Christian really ceased. The man said, Dr. Truett, I go to hear you preach quite often now, but I never feel like I did back then. You certainly are a better preacher than when you first came here to Dallas. Something must have happened to me. Can you explain it? Dr. Truett replied, it nearly broke my heart. I couldn't bear to tell this man what really had happened. All of us know how easy it is to harden our hearts or let Satan harden them against God. But that's what can happen when we stop too soon in our climb to reach a saving relationship with the Lord, we stop at the halfway house. The tribe of Ephraim was a cake of bread, not turned. The people lived at the halfway house. And you may feel that you're living there too. I plead with you not to make that house your home. There's no happiness there. God has reserved for you on the top of the world, a place that Jesus called abundant life. Oh God, help us today know that you have that abundant life waiting for us. That's why Jesus came. So may we participate in that as we let you have our heart, our life, our all. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.